Welcome to the Diligent Podcast, where we make Bible study come to life, and I'm your host, Joshua Cantrell. We are back again today with another episode here on Season 3. Just want to thank all of you, again, all the supporters out there, not just for listening to this podcast, but for listening to all the podcasts under the Scattered Abroad Network, of course, overseen by the Yodership. Uh, East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee, and certainly are always thankful and appreciative to our directors, Michael Clark and Caleb Rutherford, just for everything they do. Uh, Two of my best friends, dearest friends, uh, homies, whatever you want to call them, those are my guys there, and uh, and I certainly appreciate everything uh, they do, not just for the podcast, but for the brotherhood, and also all the podcast hosts, uh, great friends, great gospel preachers, and we encourage you to listen to all of their podcasts if you are not already doing that. Here on this podcast, the Diligent Podcast on Season 3, we are uh, discovering or being diligent with the text, if you will. We always like to use the word diligent uh, in our themes for the particular year. Uh, Just to let you know that we certainly don't want to mishandle the text. We want to uh, cut straight. We want to rightly divide it. And we certainly want to just make sure that you are learning and growing uh, in and with your relationship with God. For a few moments, I want to look at a section of scripture that is often quoted, but definitely often misimplied. And that's the text John 3 verse 16. Of course, that along with, I like to say, Luke 19 and verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Those three in particular are uh, verses that are often quoted throughout the New Testament, and, and those verses certainly have a lot of good information, but I think also we must look at these verses from their perspective context, uh, because once we look at them from their context, we can make application the correct way or the way in which uh, the intended writer wanted for us to know. Interesting enough that when you read John 3, verse 16, many, let me say this first off, it's difficult or it's dangerous, if you will, to begin a thought or a pattern of thinking in the middle of a sentence. The Bible here in John 3, verse 16, the conversation actually starts in verse number one. Of course, in verse number one to verse number five there, there's that conversation with Nicodemus. And many like to believe the conversation ends at around verse number nine or verse number 10, but the conversation actually extends on throughout the rest of the chapter. Now, the Bible here says, of course, in verse number uh, 13 and following there, the Bible is going to take us back to uh, the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 21, 8 through verse 9 there to be a specific. And if you have a copy of God's Word, I just want to read that off to you really quick. Don't want to uh, spend a lot of time there. But of course, we need to always go back to look, to study and understand what is or why did the writer uh, convey a message in the Old Testament Uh, that he wants us to take note of today in the New Testament. But in Numbers chapter 21, verse number 8 and verse number 9, there the Bible says, in verse number 7 it says, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. 
pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from among us. And Moses prayed for the people. Now, this is in the context of the serpent. In verse number six, there, the Bible says, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much of Israel that day they died. In verse number eight, and the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he look up shall live. Interesting enough that everyone and this camp had been bitten. But also interesting enough that some people, and you can also apply this today as well, some people are so concerned and so focused on the bite, they forget to look up. Moses just clearly tells them, put the serpent upon the pole. When the people look up, they will be saved. They will have their salvation uh, from the bite that was befallen to them. Now, going back over to John chapter 3, how does that connect or how does that apply, if you will? In John 3, in verse number, the Bible says here in verse number 14, And Moses lifted up the fiery serpent, even in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So, what he's doing here, more or less, is he is comparing and contrasting just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up as well. And it's interesting because as Jesus is having this conversation uh, with Nicodemus about salvation, about uh, righteousness, again, in verse number three of that chapter, Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. And the conversation there that began taking place, Nicodemus said, well, how can I enter into my mother's womb and be born again? And of course, in verse number five there, Christ is talking about the spiritual and not just the figurative. It's interesting because in verse number 14 of John 3, verse 16, God is, or Christ that is, he's giving us the illustration. And verse 15 and verse number 16 He's now giving us the explanation. And then in verse 18 to verse number 19, he's going there to give us the proclamation. So in Numbers chapter 21, 6 to verse number 9, the two things that are uh, taking place there is the idea of salvation and also the lack of faith that some of them were displaying. God was trying to move them forward and many of them were determined to stay where they were. I have a little phrase I like to say, as God is trying to move us out of Egypt, he's also trying to move Egypt out of us. And sadly and unfortunately, many people are comfortable, spiritually speaking, in Egypt. But yet God wants us to go forward. Just as they looked up to the serpent for their salvation, we need to look up to our Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. There the Hebrews writer says, looking unto Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. In verse 15 of John 3, the Bible says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life is not something you get when you die. You have to die with eternal life. You have to die with Jesus, you have to die being a member of the body of Christ. And so in verse number 16, what John does here in verse number 16 really is highlighting the fact. Now, again, throughout the entire book of John, that is, John is not just trying to show us that Jesus is sent from God. 
John is trying to show us that Jesus in his very being is God in the flesh. He's not just sent from God, but he is God in the flesh. Now, the Bible here says in John 3 in verse number 16, for God so loved the world, for God, taking us back to verse number 14, for God so, adverb there, how much did he love us? He so loved us that he gave. That word gave there is interesting because in the context here, we often look at this word gave here as a gift. But in the context, in the Greek word here, John is showing that God gave his son as a sacrifice. That phrase, for God's soul, in the original language, that phrase means in like manner. Well, what manner? As the serpent was lifted up, even so the son of man must be lifted up or the son of God must be lifted up. And the Bible says that he sacrificed. What did he sacrifice? He sacrificed not just his son, but his only begotten, that Greek word there, monogenesis. It takes us to Hebrews chapter 22 and also Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 and following. Isaac was Abraham's monogenes. Isaac was Abraham's only begotten son, even though Abraham had another son, that being Ishmael, he was not the son of promise through whom the Messiah was going to come. Uh, of course, we know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob was going to have a son by the name of Judah. Genesis 49 and verse number 10, the scepter should not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver between his feet until Shiloh comes. So again, the idea there is that Jesus was going to come through the seed line of Judah. So in like manner, as the serpent was lifted up for God, so loved the world, the cosmos that he gave, that he sacrificed the monogenes, the only one of his kind. It's interesting because in John chapter one and verse number 18, that verse better translate, Jesus is the only begotten God. And so what John is showing us is that Jesus is the only God, member of the Godhead, who's been in flesh, and he's the only human who's been God. So consider this. Jesus is the only God that's been a man, and he's the only man that's been a God. He is the monogenes. He is the only one of his kind. There's no one else who is like Jesus. Him, in his infinite being, he is the only one of his kind. In John 1 verse 14, the Bible says, in the word. Well, what's the word? Go back to chapter 1 verse number 1. In the beginning was the word. That word there, logos. That word there means the Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And we often emphasize verse 14 as we should. He Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word there, uh, dwelt among us, carries the idea that he tabernacled. He put on flesh. He dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of, here it is, the only begotten, the only one of his kind, of the Father, full of grace and also that of truth. So again, we easily see and we constantly see throughout the text that Jesus is the only one of his kind. And then the Bible says that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, 
but yet they shall have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then we have the proclamation in verse number 18 and verse number 19. He that believeth on him is not condemned, John says, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And then in verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. If you have Jesus, John says you have eternal life. And what a confirmation that is to know from our God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse number 10, the Bible says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is located in his Son. If you have Jesus, the Bible says, you have eternal life. And then I love the verse that Paul talks about, or Paul uh, makes mention over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning of verse number 12 there. Uh, I believe that's the right verse. Yes, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 12 and 13, the Bible there said, if we, if we suffer, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not yet, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny us himself. We look to Jesus because he is the only one who can save us from our sins. Matthew 1 verse 21, Luke 19 and verse 10. So again, John is not just highlighting the fact that Jesus is sent from God. John is highlighting the fact that Jesus is God himself. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the hypostatic union. He is 100% God. He is 100% man. He is the monogenes. He is the only one of his kind. If you have Jesus, John says you have eternal life. How amazing is it to know that our Lord, that, that our God loved us so much, he was willing to give, to sacrifice his only son so that we could be saved. We should desire every single day of our lives to diligently devote it to the cause of Christ because we have many in the world who are sick, many in the world who need to be saved, and we have what they need and those who are faithful those who are doing the best they can while they can we encourage you to just keep on keeping on because as paul says your labor is not in vain in the lord thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the diligent podcast where we make bible study come to life where we are diligent with the text and i'm your host joshua cantrell